You never know when God is going to move miraculously in a person's life. I've quit trying to figure God out. I've just, uh, I'm learning just to ask and just to obey and just to trust. See, if you had all the answers, you would be God. But the fact that we trust God when we don't have the answers uh, shows that it's called faith is what it is. It's called faith. Two months ago, uh, David is going to share with you um, a mighty work of God in his life. It's amazing. It's, it's miraculous. I'm not going to say anything else about it, but I assure you now you need to listen with all your heart. Because it's going to encourage you. And it's going to give you hope. And when the enemy tries to put questions in your mind, well, why this or why that? You just refuse the question. And remember that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and what? He hasn't changed. Everything Jesus ever did, (coughs) he's doing today. And this will just be a testimony of the mighty, awesome power of Jesus. I'm going to pray for David, and then he's going to share with us, okay? Lord, I just know that this is a, 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 a tremendous and significant moment in the life of Luke 418 Fellowship. And I pray, God, that we will have ears to hear and hearts to receive. And that as David shares, God, that it would cause us to be filled with faith and hope and praise and glory and give us just a faith to step out and believe God for what which seems impossible. Now, Lord, thank you for what you're going to do in these next few moments. God, you're going to do a mighty work in my heart and in every heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, brother. Amen. I don't need it. Okay, go ahead. That's good. Is that what you're asking? Awesome. Wow. Can y'all believe I have a suit? I almost was. I almost hated to wear a suit today because God has done something so crazy in my life in a God-honoring way that I'm afraid now that only when I wear a suit, y'all are going to think something powerful happened. I have to start like I always start. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and this is my life verse. It says, verse 4, And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but by the demonstration of the Spirit and the power. So that your faith may not rest on wisdom of man, but on the power of God. God, we pray that you will just meet us here in this place. God, as as I share just what you have placed on my heart, the word that you've given me, God, Lord, may it be all you and nothing of me, God. Anything that is of me, God, I pray, will be cast down, but everything of you will be lifted high. God, may we see the King of Kings fall down in this place in a mighty way. The Shekinah glory of God. Lord, we love you. Give us wisdom to understand your word. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Today I'm going to talk, uh, believe it or not, this is like one of the first teaching times I've ever had like a real three-point message. So today is, and and you can take notes, um, there's a lot of scripture, so we've got the PowerPoints or Keynote if you're a Mac user, uh, ready to go on the screens. But today we're going to talk about the power of, of Jesus Christ. And the way that I kind of want to start that is simply by going to Ephesians chapter 6. 
In Ephesians chapter 6, it gives us the full armor of God. The, the, the armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the readiness of the gospel of peace, the belt of truth. And, and what we see in, at the end of it is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. It continues and says, put on the full armor of God. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, having done, nothing, done everything to stand firm. Go to the next slide. Resist means, in the Greek, to oppose, to come against, to stand strong. Now, the only piece of weapon that we have that is an offensive, an offensive piece is the sword of the Spirit. Think about that for a second. Everything else is to protect us, right? But the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and sharper than any two-edged sword, as it says in Hebrews, is the only offense that we have. And I'm here to tell you today, that's all we need. So go to the next slide for me. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places, Ephesians chapter 6. So take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Go on to the next slide for me. And it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now I want to stop there for just a second. If God tells us to take up the sword of the Spirit that's sharper than any two-edged sword and can pierce anything, and He says that the Word of God is God. The Word is God. That means that when we go and we take Scripture and we take the name of Jesus and we take the King of kings and the Lord of lords by His words, we have the sword of the Spirit and nothing can stop us. Do you believe that? Nothing can stop us. Who are we fighting against? As we saw in Ephesians 6, we're fighting against the principalities of this world. I've taught my students over and over that we, God, in the Garden of Eden said, Here, to, to Adam, I want you to basically rule over this earth. I want you to, to, to this be your dominion to an extent as you glorify God. And when we ate of the apple or the fruit or whatever, we handed that over to Satan. And Satan is now the prince of the power of the air. So we have to come against him by the word of God and the word of God alone. So I want to start off by just saying what the authority of Jesus is. Since we're going to talk about the word of God and use the word of God or the name of Jesus Christ as our offensive weapon, the power of Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus. And let's talk about his authority. Jesus spoke saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus saying that it, that, that it, was, it was granted to him. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. God raised Jesus from the dead and seated Jesus at God's right hand. Before I continue reading this, if you go to Ephesians 1, 20-22, you're going to find that it's a lot of He's and Him. I've already uh, taken out the He's and Him's and put God and Jesus so that you don't, like if you were reading it, then you know sometimes you can go back and say, which one was He, which one was Him. So I've changed it out to God and Jesus so you'll know. God raised Jesus from the dead and seated Jesus at God's right hand. Far above all authority and power and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but the one to come, God put all things in subject under His feet. Everything that we go against, the principalities of this world, is under the feet of of Jesus. 
They have no authority over you because Jesus Christ lives inside your heart. If you believe in Christ as your Lord and Savior, as it says in Ephesians chapter 2, 3, and 4, it tells you that Jesus Christ lives inside of you. And guess what? The spirit of darkness is under his feet. He has no authority. So as believers in Christ, why do we give him authority? God has said it's under Jesus' feet you call on the name of Jesus Christ. The power over Satan. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through God. Colossians 2.15. Hebrews 2.14 says, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless he who has the power of death, and that is the devil. 1 John 3.8 says, The one who practiced sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the evil one. I want to share a testimony with you right quick. Not too long ago, God really impressed on my heart that we believe in the power of Jesus Christ, we talk about the power of Jesus Christ, and we preach about the power of Jesus Christ, but how often do you call on the power of Jesus Christ against that that's in your life? I had a friend who was telling me, um, this was a, a college student, came up to me and said, David, one of my former uh, youth, and, and I've been in the ministry for five years, so we're starting to get to see the, the fruits of the labor in, in college and see that, that God is keeping them strong. Every student comes back to me and says, David, you are so right about the culture of this world. And when I got off to college, all I saw was the culture of this world coming after me, all this false religion and doctrine coming after me. But praise God, I can stand on the name of Jesus Christ. And this person came up to me and said, David, I'm, I'm just, I'm struggling with a spirit of depression. And I looked at him, and this was not too long ago, and I said, you pray by the power of Jesus Christ, Satan, you have no authority. The powers of dominion, you have no authority because Jesus Christ lives in me. And as Scripture says, and as the sword of the Word of God says in Scripture, you have no authority... It's sharper than any two-edged sword. You have no authority. And you pray that. I get a phone call. Man, God is so good. I get a phone call that says that, that this, this power is gone. The forces of Satan that has come after me by the power of Jesus Christ, they are gone. This person's prayer life was radically changed to now, instead of praying for it, saying, by the power of Jesus Christ, you must flee. Because Satan can't stand in the presence of a holy God. If he could, he wouldn't have been cast out of heaven. He cannot stand in the presence of a holy God. What type of trials, struggles, strongholds are you dealing with today that Satan, the demonic one, the, the, the prince of the powers of evil are coming after you and you need to simply say, by the power of Jesus Christ, you have no authority in this place. You're a temple of God. He has no authority. None. If you believe it, he has no authority. Go to the next slide for me. The power of Jesus and salvation. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been among men by which we must be saved. 
It says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For, a, for with your heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth they confess. What did they confess? Jesus is Lord, resulting in salvation. It says in 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 6.11, You were washed, you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God. You know, as I've studied this, um, this series of the power of, of the name of Jesus Christ, I was really convicted. And I'm going to share this with you. Um, and this is a little bit of a of chasing a rabbit, a bunny here. And the students know I chase those all the time. I just never find them. Um, me and my wife have a policy that, that we don't go watch rated R movies. There's nothing good that will come out of a rated R movie. I'm just here to tell you. Nothing good. Well, just recently, I realized that the word Jesus Christ can be abused in a PG-13 movie, and it's still rated PG-13. Not too long ago, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brag on um, Leslie and Kristen over here, they were going to see a movie. And I, I share with them, I share with the students all the time, PluggedIn.com, go check it out. They, they plugged it in.com, it's focused on the family, and it said Jesus Christ was misused over 14, 15, 16 times. And they refuse to go see the movie. There is power in the name of Jesus Christ. And we need to quit being okay with the fact that media is quickly abusing it. And trying to place power over him. No power can be over the name of Jesus. None. You know, I want to share with you a miracle that happened just in salvation. Many, many years ago, as I was riding home with my, my parents, or with my mother coming home from my grandmother's house on Dauphin Island Parkway, we were connecting from I-10 to I-65. I, I, I said, Mother, um, what will happen to me if I die without knowing Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior? She shared with me Christ. She shared with me the name of Jesus. She shared with me that, that I must believe in Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And right there at the connection of I-10 and I-65, I prayed to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior, and He entered my heart, and the power of Jesus came in that day. Let me tell you something. That was a miracle by the name of Jesus Christ that my life was transformed from darkness to light. Ephesians chapter 2 says that you were formerly children of wickedness and wrath, but praise God by the power of Jesus Christ, you are now a child of the Most High God. And that's a miracle. Some of you in here need the miracle of salvation today. Some of you have been running away as fast as you can because you don't want to give everything you have and lay it all down so that God and Jesus Christ may enter your heart by the power of Jesus Christ. But let me tell you something. It is the most important decision of your life. Because we are all born into death. We are all born into sin. We are all born into children of wrath. Jesus Christ came on the cross for us. So that the miracle of death to life could, to, could take place in each of your lives. For some of you, he's calling you today to just the simple surrender of your life so that you, as it said in Romans 10, chapter, chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. It's not about religion. 
It's not about theology. It's not about traditions of men. It's all about a relationship with the king. And that's a miracle. My third and final point, some of you are like, man, you're flying. And I am, because I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, God, God's got some awesome stuff here. The power to heal in the name of Jesus. I'm going to ask you to open to Acts chapter 3. And this is, I think there's only one or two more slides left because the rest, there's no more slides left. This is the last one. The rest of it, I want you to follow along in your Bible. Acts 3, verse 6 says this. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. And in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. This man had been lame, sitting in front of the temple. And he said, get up and walk. But what did he say it? By the power of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. So some of you have studied the scripture and you begin to find out um, what has happened here. God moves in a powerful way. And in verse 13, if you flip down to, or go, scroll down to 13, it says... Or let's go to 12. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you gaze at us? As if it was by my own power that we had made this man walk. I love this. Verse 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. The one who you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate, when he had decided to release him. Continue on to verse 10 of chapter 4. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. So Peter tells them in 13 that it's by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He tells them in verse 10, he says, by this name he is healed. What's interesting to me is that verse 16 and 18 of chapter 4, the people get frustrated. Probably the Pharisees and Sadducees, some of those people that that basically made their living off of uh, ritualistic ideals. It says, what shall we do to these men in verse 16? For the fact that a noteworthy noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. And when they summon them, excuse me, verse 17, but so it will not spread any farther among the people. Let us warn them no longer to to speak no longer to any man in his name. They didn't care if they talked about religious things. They didn't care if they talked to him about tradition and theology and all that. They said, do not speak in the name of Jesus Christ because they realized there was authority in the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 18, and when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. I'm going to read to you one more verse and then I'm going to share some, some, some cool stuff that God's done in my life. 
And God gave me this verse, I think it was Saturday, Friday, I can't remember. And I got so excited that, that I texted Brother Fred and Martin. Because God put this word on my heart, and I believe that this is, this is the scripture that God has given me for today. He's given me a lot, but definitely this one. Acts chapter 4, 29 through 31. After all this had happened, they had healed the person through the power of Jesus Christ. They had been commanded never to speak in the name of Jesus Christ because there's power in the name of Jesus Christ and they don't like it for some weird reason. They go back and they begin to talk with their uh, group of people and they begin to pray because of what's happened. And it says right here, it says, And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant your bondservants that they may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal. And signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus Christ. In verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they gathered was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with all boldness. Can you imagine if the walls in here began to shake this morning? Because of us calling on the holy name of Jesus Christ. Do you believe it can happen? Do you believe it can happen? I want to share to you. About eight weeks ago. I'm sorry if I lose it here. I should have brought a whole box of tissues. About eight weeks ago. We were at Super Summer Alabama. We had a jam-packed summer. I'm talking jam-packed. I was gone from Mobile five out of eight weeks this summer with students. And one week was a personal vacation. We were at Super Summer Alabama. It was the lowest attendance out of all of the trips that we were going on. We only had three students with us. This is a very intense Bible training. It's like seminary for students. And we were going to get back on Friday night and we were going to leave Saturday morning for another long trip with, I think, 20-something kids, I can't remember exactly, to World Changers. We get up to Super Summer Alabama, and I was just kind of like, okay, God, like, I need to be focused on the mission trip that's coming up next week. Like, okay, things are going great here, but, but my mind's already here, and, and God, why did you bring me to Birmingham, Alabama anyways when I have to leave next week for a trip? I just don't have time for this. I was kind of a little, like, frustrated. And God calmed my heart. We went to worship that night. And as we were worshiping, God began to say, David, you go ask that man to pray for you. The guy who's speaking, you go ask that man to pray for you. And I was like, okay. I'm okay with that. Well, the day, the day ended. Mon Tuesday rolled around. The day ended. Wednesday, I drove back from Birmingham to do youth service here. Thursday, I drove back to Birmingham to spend time with the kids. And Friday, we were driving back to Mobile so Saturday we could go to Chattanooga, Tennessee. I get there Thursday night and God continues to say, David, you asked this man to pray for you. And I was like, are you kidding me? So I let that day pass. Friday morning, we were about to leave. Literally probably 10 minutes before we were going to leave. God came over me and said, you asked this man to pray for you. And I got up out of my seat, which God has a sense of humor because the first time he asked me, I was in the very back. The last time he asked me, I was on the third row. 
This man had gone to the back of the place just to kind of gather up his stuff because he was about to leave. And I walked back there and I said, listen, you don't know me, but you're supposed to pray for me. So he goes, okay, let's go outside. And, and, and he steps outside and, and he had a guy that he was mentoring. So the guy that he was mentoring came out with us. And he places his hand on my chest and this guy places his hand on my back. And, and he begins to pray and he stops real quick and he says, hold up. He said, God wants you to know that it's all going to be okay and you've got to let it go. Some of y'all don't know me to the extent that my biggest struggle in life is that if I ever hurt someone... Or ever do something that I feel was wrong, it burdens me. I mean, I'm talking burdens me. And literally the night before, I just had a situation that that was burdening me. And this guy said, God wants you to let it go. I began to just bawl. As he begins to pray, he he prayed for two things. He began to pray by the power of Jesus Christ that I would be healed from myasthenia gravis. And then he began to prophesy over me. As he began to pray, the fire of God that I have never felt like this before fell down in such a way that my chest was about 200 degrees. The guy who had his hand on my chest looked at me or or said to me, because my eyes were closed, I'm bawling, I don't know what's going on, I've got fire in my chest that's like crazy. He 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 goes, son, This is the hottest fire I've ever felt. The guy behind me that has his hand on my back says, man, I can't even like touch his back because there's so much fire falling down. I'm weeping like crazy. Many of you here know that I have a disease called myasthenia gravis. It's a non-curable autoimmune disease that um, some people will even say it's a mild form of MS. What it does is it attacks your throat muscles, your eye muscles, and your lung or your, your diaphragm. A lot of people that you see on myasthenia gravis have uh, uh, oxygen going to them so they can breathe. There's three ways to, to manage myasthenia gravis, or at least three ways that I've read. I only did one. One is a blood transfusion quite regularly to clean your blood, almost like dialysis. One is a form of chemotherapy, but it's a chemotherapy that lasts forever. It doesn't go away because you can't cure it. And the third one, which is the one that obviously I chose, and you can tell from my big muscles, is the steroids. When I first got diagnosed with myasthenia gravis, they put me on mestinon, which mestinon is the actual drug that heals or, or that takes, that, that cleans your blood, basically. It, it stops the receptors from doing whatever they're doing. They basically, my blood and my autoimmune system thought that my muscles were dangerous to my body. And so they attacked them. Myasthenia gravis, when they put me on it, I was at 60 milligrams a day of prednisone. And if you don't know what prednisone is, you don't want to be on 2 milligrams a day. But I was on 60 milligrams of prednisone for a good year plus of my life. You want to talk about mood swings, emotional swings, bawling at anything, gaining weight like crazy? Supposedly, my uh, chiropractor tells me that my neck, mus- my neck bones or whatever they're called up here are the most deteriorated that he's ever seen in somebody my age because that's what prednisone does. 
this man began to pray for me. Fire of God fell down so hot that to this day I believe that it cleansed every bit of my body. Because for six, eight weeks, I have not taken any medicine. The doctors took the blood and came back and said, we cannot find myasthenia gravis in your body anymore. This man prayed for me by the power of Jesus Christ. Be healed. And the fire of God cleansed me. He began to prophesy over me. He said, son, I see you with a passport in your hand. And before I say anything, he saw me in short-term missions. This is not a resignation. He said, son, I see you with a passport in your hand on short-term missions to Africa. I see you standing on some type of stump or pedestal proclaiming the salvation message of Jesus Christ to hundreds of young little kids. Literally a week after this man prayed for me, somebody uh, set me down and said, David, I want you to go with me Africa. He said, David, I want you to go and see these soccer camps where these kids come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. Eight weeks ago, my life was radically changed and I realized that I know the power of Jesus and I preach on the power of Jesus and I teach on the power of Jesus. But man, it is time for us as the body of Christ to call on the power of Jesus for salvation, to to take Satan away and put him back under the foot of Jesus and that he have no authority in our life and for healing that those who need to be healed by the power of Jesus Christ. I couldn't share this message with you if I didn't say this. It is all to the glory and power of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I owe every bit of it to Him. And here's why. Here's why God took me through what He did. So that I would praise Him through the storm. So that every day I would worship the King no matter what happened to me in my life. Because my provision was in Jesus Christ. And he healed me for this reason and this reason alone. To bring glory to his name. To bring glory to his name. We're going to have a time of prayer here in a minute. And some of you need a miracle in your life. Some of you, Satan, is attacking you in all areas of your life. And I just pray that you will come and pray by the power of Jesus Christ. He has no authority. Like the student that I talked about earlier did. Some of you might not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And I pray that today will be the day of salvation. That you will come down and a miracle will take place as you go from darkness to light. And you can run in the freedom of the King. Some of you need a miracle of healing. And it says in James chapter 5 verse 14 it says, If anyone among you is sick... 
then he must call on the elders of the church. And they must anoint with oil. They must pray over them and anoint with oil. And check this out. It says, in the name of our Lord. It says, in the name of our Lord, which is Jesus Christ, which is the power. And dominion is all his. Everything because it's under his feet. Some of you are sitting there saying, David, I hear what you're saying, but I still struggle with it. You know, it says in 1 Corinthians, Corinthians, it says that to the Jews, they need wisdom. And to the Gentiles, excuse me, to the Jews, they need signs. And to the Gentiles, they need wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, which is a stumbling block. And why was it a stumbling block? Because they didn't understand it. And then it goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and it says that God's wisdom is so much bigger than our wisdom. So today, if you're sitting there and you're like, man, I don't understand it, guess what? I don't understand it, but I understand my king, and I understand Jesus Christ, and I understand the power of the name of Jesus Christ. 